Good morning, Sanctuary. You did not expect to see a short girl up here, did you? I did not wear heels today, so what if I can't see over the podium? That is all fine and good. Happy Mother's Day. How many women are thrilled to be mothers? How many mothers are like, I'm done? We're both a little bit of both sometimes, right? So, wow, I really should have wore shoes because I'm, I'm really down there, aren't I? I apologize, and I'm not leaving this spot, so just so you know, I may go like that, but that's the extent of my activity today because I have to read this so I can get you out by 3 o'clock. <laughs> um, so I'm not reading or speaking from the lectionary today, and I'm also, <laughs> I don't know why the Holy Spirit asked this of me, but I'll be speaking about a father today. So everything's just upside down, which is how God does things, isn't it? I'm going to be reading to you from Genesis 12, verses 1 through 9. If you have your Bibles or your apps, you can turn in it. Uh, about Abraham. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak at Morah, and at that time the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. Everybody say, still going. Some of us need to say, still standing, right? Like, I'm barely here. That's how I feel today. I, I had uh, another, the, the, the title of my, what I'm going to speak to you today is called The Altar of Belief. But if I could subtitle it, it would probably be something of this effect, like of altars and archery, which together, they make no sense. But I'm going to try and run two threads here, and hopefully we can tie a knot at the end. But um, so we're going to talk a little bit about archers and a little bit about altars. Uh, Bonhoeffer said it is the proportion is to the proportion that you're quiet that you should be allowed to speak. So in closing, no. <laughs> um, I love that quote. That just is like, oh boy, I really need to duct tape this. So let's talk a little bit about Abram. God calls Abram, and he follows. Uh, he follows God. He has no idea where he's going, right? It's just that he's been called. And it amazes me that Abram is able to hear the voice of God because he's in, he and his father, they're idol makers, right? So the land he comes from, Ur, has dozens, thousands, hundreds, whatever, of idols. And, God, and Abram hears the voice of God, and he can pick it out among, amongst all these idols and knows, wait a minute, this is the one true God. I wonder how many of us, even having Jesus at times, are like, wait, is that God? You know, am I hearing what I should be hearing? So that, that little part about Abram just absolutely amazes me. And so God, Abram follows and he goes. He has no idea where he's going. And all he knows is he's going on a journey. 
And God wants to do the same for us. He wants to call us and he wants us to start following. And Abram just kind of goes. And John 10, 27 says this, my sheep hear my voice and they know me. And Abram somehow knew that was God's voice. So in verse six, Abram comes to the oak at Morah and the Lord appears. And he says, Abram, I'm giving you all this land to all your offspring. And wow, how? There's Canaanites here, you know, I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I just want to give you some definitions of locations because locations in the Bible always stand out to me and their definitions. And somehow I always find myself in these places, not literally, but, but spiritually. So he comes to Shechem and Shechem is a, a location that lies between two mountains. So it's in a kind of a valley, a low place. It's a crossroads for other cities. It's kind of between river and big body of water and all these cities above and below. So it's at a crossroads and it's pretty vulnerable by location. Um, are, are, we, are we ever in that spot where we're totally vulnerable or are we even able to be vulnerable in that low place between mountains? Are we able to just be kind of out there? And Shechem means, the word Shechem actually means shoulder or a place of turning. And I'm like, all right, God, what, what are you trying to say to me here, shoulder? And um, so we're going to talk a little bit about sh shoulders. Hold on, I'm getting there. So in this place, so we have Shechem, which means shoulder or place of turning. Then we have this oak at Mora. And the Bible says he came to the oak at Mora. So I would think that's a pretty significant tree, right? If everybody in town knows, I'll go to the oak at Mora, it's a pretty significant place. What I didn't realize about this oak, because it's a, oak is a strong tree, right? It's a big, it's strong, it's got deep roots. It was also called this, I was reading about it, the diviners or the teacher's tree, which means that in Canaan, this was most likely a very sacred place. And this is just a side note that um, I just kind of was thinking about yesterday. Abraham chose this place to start building an altar to God and to speak to God and where God spoke to him. He took a place that was holy ground to other people, and he adapted that space to himself and, and to it. He was able to take what was sacred to the godless men and make it a place of worship. So how many times do we enter godless situations and end up losing our, our footing rather than by the presence of Jesus in us, making those situations places of worship? So I, I, that just stood out to me, and that, that convicted me. So let's talk about what mora means. The word mora, the oak, means an archer or stretching. And so this is where our archer comes in to line up with our, our altars. So Shechem is shoulder and Mora, an archer stretching. Abraham was kind of shouldering a promise, wasn't he? It seemed like a burden at the time because the Canaanites were still there. Uh, Jalen, where's Jalen? Is Jalen in here? Every song you sang today lines up with this sermon. So I didn't even tell him what to sing. Will you shoulder our weakness, right? He said, you shoulder our weakness and our strength, um, your strength becomes our own, that is just, oh, Jalen, you're the best. You're the best ever. So how can all this come to be? How can Abram do all this? How can, how can his generations upon generations and all the earth and all the generations be blessed? This is the word God gave me, trajectory. Trajectory by definition is this, literal definition like from the dictionary, nothing spiritual about it. The path an object takes to take to its target, a flight path. The path a moving object follows through, follows through space as a function of time. Okay, so a trajectory is that line that this arrow that this archer is going to take and to hit his target. 
God is setting Abraham up like an archer, the archer, who puts the arrow into the, uh, into the bow, shouldering the weight and the tension, stretching that arrow back and getting it ready to fly. But not yet, right? That arrow is not going anywhere yet. This is for future generations. Um, has, does anybody bow hunt here? Oh, wow. No, no bow hunters here. I guess the New York thing, a lot of trees. I don't know. Anybody ever used a bow? Come on. Okay, there we go. So when you start to pull on that bow, that, that first pull is like, holy cow, this thing's not coming back, right? But once you get it past that, like that, right, then it starts to ease, ease, ease back. I, I just think of how many times in my life God was like, I want to do this for you, and I'm like, oh, no. But as soon as I begin to see God is starting to do things for me, it becomes a little bit easier, right, to sit in that bow. Not always, but a little bit. So more was the place of stretching for Abram uh, and trajectory. He says, to your offspring. That's for the future, right? Abraham's not going to see the complete fulfillment of this promise. He's not even going to see half of the fulfillment of this promise. Not tomorrow or the next day or even in years to come. Abram is being stretched. And this is where we struggle. We tend to throw off the trajectory because we don't know how to function in the time of the stretching, in the time of the arching, right? We're like... And the arrow's like going like this, and God's like, please, just let me, you know, just try and straighten out, and we're, the arrow's going to hit the ground, and we're just fighting that. And here's the two things we're going to struggle with most. We're going to struggle with delay, and we're going to struggle with limitation. This is the, the human way. We do not like to wait. We don't want restrictions, constrictions, constraints, ties, rope. No, we don't want any of that placed on the movement through life, right? We're just, we want to sail through, right? Smooth sailing, no waves, just let me get there. And God has the exact opposite uh, in mind. So if you have had smooth sailing, just buckle up, buckle up. I think as Christians, I, I find myself in this situation all the time. We always want these finite answers to infinite questions. Like we, we just, we cannot either A, be satisfied with what God is doing with us, but I think we think on a plane that God does not think on, and so we want these answers that are in our human mind, but God is so much other than us, right? And here's the thing, God enjoys surprising us because I think that he loves to show us how not like us he is. And the, and the, father, uh, it says, the Bible says the Father dances over us, right, with joy, with singing, and I think he takes joy in the pleasure of showing you, I am so holy, I am so other with what I'm doing in your life. You don't even have the beginning of the answers. And I, I, just, that just, I just love that about God, that he's just, he loves to show us his holiness, not just, you know, be holy as I'm holy. I want to show you what I'm doing um, in the arching, in the stretching. If there is anything we do know about God is that he's predictable in this. He is unpredictable, right? He is so predictable in his unpredictability, right? Um, delay and limitations, boundaries is what God will use, ironically, to move us through our trajectory. So at the crossroads, what does Abraham do? God speaks to him, he hears from God, and he builds this altar. So now we're going to talk a little bit about altars. I have three altars. There are many. They're not necessarily in order, but these are the three I felt we needed to talk about. Altar number one, the altar of remembrance. So at this oak, Abram builds this monument which was a physical structure built as a representation of Abram's inner belief, the faith that God was who he said he was and that he was going to do what he was going to do and what he said he was going to do. Um, what are we building 
to bring back to our remembrance the promises God has made. Something that, um, so every time we pass by a certain spot or we have a certain remembrance or a memory of a particular time in our lives, something has been burned there spiritually to bring us back to what God has spoken to us. Um, Mark those places in your life where God speaks to you because his word never returns void. 2 Peter 2.9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but he's patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So what we consider God, you know, as, as slowness and coming to answer prayers, he's being patient with us. That's, that's oh my goodness, because I am not patient at all. Mark will tell you I am impulsive. I'll talk about that a little bit later. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, God does not give us everything we want, but he does fulfill his promises, leading us along the best and straightest paths to himself. Trajectory. Um, 9-11 took place, and I don't know, it was like this in New York, so it must have been like this here. Bumper stickers everywhere, flags on cars. Did you guys have all this? Yes. It was like America mayhem, which I don't really know how that could be more so in Tulsa than it already is, because this is a really patriotic state, which is awesome. But so there were flags, there were flags on cars, there were flags on homes, there were people wearing flags, there were bumper stickers, and it always said something, what? Never forget, never forget. Years later, we still see these reminders, right? We have uh, something in New York City now, and we have uh, these things. These are reminders or altars that we have built as Americans of events that deeply have affected our lives. You are full of promise, full of potential and purpose God has placed on your life. Trust that he sees the trajectory, the path you need to take to hit those targets. Does an arrow really see where it's going? No, the arrow doesn't tell the archer, okay, put me here, point me here, let it loose, let me fly. No, the, you, you won't find an arrow doing that, which leads me to a very funny story about my first date with Mark. So Mark lives in Beacon. I live in Westchester. It's about an hour and 10 minutes apart. So he drives all the way south. This is what we did for, well, we didn't date very long, seven months. This is what we did for seven months until we got married. And uh, so he comes down for the first date. He's sitting in the living room with his blow-dried parted hair in the middle. <laughs> and I come, I come down with my blue suede shoes on. I thought I was the coolest thing walking. I, I have nothing against blue suede shoes because I'll still wear them if they're right. But these were not right. And so I... I got mocked for them, but um, I came down, he, he takes us out, and so he's going to take us to New York City <laughs> for our first date, and we're driving, and we're chatting, and we're, you know, getting along great, and we're going down the West Side Highway, and I see, to my left, Canal Street, which is where I love to shop and go and buy, you know, fake watches and purses and uh, eat, Little Italy, you know, Chinatown's down there, and he's starting to drive past it, but he's talking, so I, <laughs> I stop him mid-conversation and I say, you missed your turn. He's like, what are you talking about? I said, you missed your turn, Canal Street? He goes, what? I'm like, aren't you going to Canal Street? He's like, no, I'm not going to Canal Street. I'm like, oh. He had no intention of going to Canal Street. Why did I even say that on my first date? He was taking me on the date. He had the plan for the restaurant. But where did I always go? That's the place I was used to going, right? That's the place I like to go to eat. That's the place I like to shop. That's the place where I had fun with my friends. I thought he was missing the turn. It turns out he's taking me to this most amazing restaurant that's Italian restaurant that's in a basement and just very 
ambiance and all of that. I mean, he had the whole thing planned. But I, I think sometimes we're doing that with God, right? God is sending the arrow and we're like, whoa, 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 you missed my turn because that's what I'm used to. That's what I enjoy. That's what I like. And God's like, no, 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 I'm taking you further. You're gonna fly farther. That's why I'm stretching you back now. I'm taking you because that was good, but this is even better. It's the first time I had goat cheese too, by the way. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, <laughs> so that's my, story, my dating story. But. So we must, as followers of Jesus, learn to thrive in the tension, the shouldering he's doing for us. It's in the pulling back, which is seemingly wrong direction, right, that the change will take place to go, for us to go exactly where we need to. So how do we build these altars, right? Abraham used stones and mud. We don't, we don't do that anymore. So just a couple of things. Um, stay in the word of God daily. Daily devotion is so important in hearing the voice of God and hearing truth. Uh, corporate worship, be with other Christians. Uh, don't be on your own. Forging God re godly relationships is actually a form of altar building. And if you don't know that, like, I'm going to talk about the altar of death later. <laughs> but sometimes, right, those relationships aren't the easiest thing, but it's our form of remembrance. Because what does the Bible say? Um, we overcame by the word of our testimony, the blood of the lamb, right? Or the other way around. But the word of our testimony, well, what is that? Telling each other, this is what God has done for me. I know this is hard for you right now, but he's taking you somewhere, okay? That's a, that's a form of remembering, right? Altar building. Um, the third thing is maybe if you like to write journal, write things down so you remember. I, I can't remember, like, even what I did this morning. I don't, I have a really bad memory. Since I moved to Tulsa, I'm blaming it on Tulsa. I don't know what happened. I just lo lost a, I used to blame it on brain surgery, but it's been eight years now, so that's, a long gone excuse. Altar building is hard work. It wasn't fun for Abram to go get the stones, lug the stones, make the mud, build whatever he was building, carry them, fit them together, and pile them up. That wasn't an easy thing. And our altars aren't easy to build either. It's all about working at creating time and space for God to move in our lives, which is not easy, but it is wholly necessary. Uh, from there, Abraham moved, right? He didn't stay stuck in that place. He's like, well, I like this altar. I like this tree. It's got shade. You know, I'm going to stay. It's a nice place to camp. He didn't do that, right? He moved on. And the Bible says he went and set up camp near Bethel. And Bethel and, and I are two very um, beautiful places. And it was hill country. So Abraham has gone from this low pace now. And he's kind of moving up to vision, right? To perspective. He's getting into the hill country. And I think God wants to take us from that valley and, and give us some more perspective, some more vision. And it says there he built an altar and called on the name of the Lord. And uh, my second altar, altar number two, is the altar of prayer, which is hearing. Uh, this altar was a little different because it was to hear from God and to worship. We need the altar of prayer in our lives, a place we stop and we seek God for wisdom, for guidance, for strength. This is a daily altar. Somewhere we visit regularly to find the footsteps of Jesus and consequently walk in them. We must be in communion with God. This is an ongoing conversation. And um, I don't know about you, certain conversations in our home, one person is doing a whole lot more talking than the other, right? Really, that's how it should be with God. Only we should not be doing all the talking. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Mark. <laughs> God should be doing the speaking for the most part of our prayer lives, and we should be doing the listening. Because, you know, God, I have this, I have that. You know, my child, she's going to college. i got to get money. we got to find her car. we got to, you know, this one's going to high school, and this is new, and it's fresh. God's like, I know what you have need of before you even ask me. So come and sit with me and commune with me and listen 
to what I'm speaking into your, into your heart and into your spirit. Um, again, it's to the proportion you're quiet, you should, <laughs> you should be allowed to speak. Um, let's talk about Bethel. Bethel means house of God. I means heap of ruins. And Abram is camped somewhere in between Bethel and I, the Bible says. So he is camped in between the house of God and a heap of ruins. We need to learn to walk in the tension of our lives being hidden in God and a heap of ruins. Uh, we're always in the middle of that, right? Sometimes we might be a little closer to the house of God being hidden in him. Sometimes we might be a little closer to a heap of ruins, but we're always, we're always walking that tension of that, right? And sometimes that, that tension really strains on us when we get toward the heap of ruins, right? Honor God in the symmetry, the equity of both these things and the holding and the stretching, right? House of God, heap of ruins. He's holding me, but he's stretching me, right? Being broken and being hidden in him at the same time. We have to walk that tension. Obedience is always bigger than your moment. It's always about trusting the trajectory. Um, obedience is so important. When we, when we were raising our kids, no was, not, no was not an option in our house. And if you had Mark barreling down the hall at you, six foot two, and you had told him no, it was all over. So, but I think that we need to understand no is not an option word when we're speaking to God or, you know, okay, maybe. Obedience is bigger than just the moment you're in. It's for future generations. He's looking for your, the good of your future. Which brings us to altar number three, our favorite altar, the altar of death. It was a joke. I wasn't serious. Not my favorite al altar. Um, <laughs> um, Jalen, we sang today, on an altar of praise my life is found. Wow, Jalen, you're the best. Did I say that? Sorry. I keep repeating it. Um, I didn't read this part because most of us know it, and I'm trying to save time. I'm trying. Is that how many minutes I've left? Or that's the time? Okay, good. So good, because 10 minutes, I'm like, oh, I got a book here. No, I don't have a book here. Um, Abram is asked by God to go to the mountain and to sacrifice his son, okay? Wow, he's asked to offer the only thing that's even an inkling of this promise that's going to come to pass. The way to the promise, the fulfillment of the promise, it's, it's Isaac, right? No, it's not. It's God. But Abraham understands this, so he submits. God will never ask you to give something or sacrifice something he hasn't already, okay? Everything you'll walk out, Jesus has done it for you. It's not like, oh, I've never, this, is, this is, you know, territory we have never tread on before. No, Jesus did, I guarantee you, because he wouldn't ask you to do something without him empowering you by him doing it first and, and paving the way for you. Um, Isaac was taken up to the mountain in complete surrender. And the Bible says this, Abram had fire and knife in his hands. Abram came furnished to worship. He came furnished to sacrifice, equipped. Um, if we think of Nehemiah building the wall, what did God tell them? Build the wall with one hand, but in your other, keep a weapon, keep an eye out. David's mighty men, they were able to, they were armed with bows, but they were also able to shoot arrows and sling stones with their right hand or their left. What am I saying here? I'm speaking to the importance of being spiritually ambidextrous. Um, most of us tend to use one hand more than the other, right? We write better, and like, I am amazing with my right hand, but if I try to do anything with this hand, it's like, why do I even have this hand, right? Because it's so weak, because it doesn't have the strengths of the other. And I think God really wants us to know 
A, what, you know, have both our hands ready to go and surrender and sacrifice when he calls. Um, but also, you know, you need two hands to surrender. If, if I'm in law enforcement and a criminal's coming at me with one hand up and one hand in his back pocket, what's going to happen? He's probably going to take a bullet because I don't know what's going on back here. He could have a grenade. He could have a knife. Whatever it is. So is a reason why we surrender with both hands. I'm sorry. Did I offend anybody because I said to, I, it was I was it was just that was me talking, not anybody else. But that, that, that's what we do, right? We surrender with both hands. We give both, okay? Uh, when we begin to build the altar of death in complete obedience and surrender, we should not, um, it should not be without having in both hands everything we need to sacrifice. Being equipped to sacrifice is kind of like a novel idea, right? As opposed to being blindsided by God because we've been wiggling around in the tension and we're flying all over the place. We're ready when God calls. We're ready to give it up because we know it's for our good, and it's for future good, our children, our spiritual children, whatever it is that God has planned for us, those generations, and all the earth. He wants to bless all the earth with what he does with us. What will we do when God asks for the one thing we thought we always wanted, the one thing that has become our security, the one thing that's been our identity, that one thing? Philippians 2.8 8 says, And being found in human form, he, Jesus, humbled himself, becoming obedient to death. Yes, even the death of the cross. Jesus conquered by being conquered, which is crazy when we think about it, right? Like, you can't, wow. Jesus conquered by being conquered. He was able to trust his father enough to be pulled backwards and to be stretched so that every generation could be blessed. The one thing Abraham had that was the physical manifestation of God's promise actually being fulfilled this is what God asks for. And Abram lets go. I think we have a history of Christian, as Christians of holding on to those blessings he's given us because they're blessings. They're awesome. God gave me this. It's so awesome. But we hold so tightly that we can't release them for the greater blessing. Um, Mark has always said blessings make the most compelling idols, the best idols. Um, so I think we get something from God and we're like, yes, I got it. I'm holding on to it. And God's like, no, 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 let go of that because if your hands are closed, I can't bring to you the greater things that's going to bless the future. So inside this deep inhale of the swing of his knife, Abram's hand is caught and Isaac is saved. Understand that it's always more about the willingness than it is about the loss. How we respond, how we respond to God is what matters. It's not the one thing. On an altar of praise, my life is found. God is always providing a way of resurrection. He's always providing resurrection. It may not be the way you think it is, but the resurrection will always be there. It's the gospel story. It has to be. We walk it out. Um, I just want to say one thing about Mount Moriah where Abram sacrificed. If you remember back, this is the same exact place that Solomon built a temple. It's the same exact place where God was able to sweep over a mountain in such a way that the presence of God had never been felt before. This is that place, that place of sacrifice. Future future generations. But before that, there was some more pulling and stretching, right? Because who purchased the land? David purchased the land. And the person who was giving the land to David, it was a threshing floor at the time, he said, I want to give you this for free to use it, you know. And David said, oh, no, 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 no. I will not sacrifice what, what costs me nothing. So David had that trajectory and knew what sacrifice and praise meant all the way down to his son Solomon. That's trajectory. 
Abram had nothing to show for what God had promised him. Even with Isaac, it wasn't much more, right? What's one child? But Abraham journeyed and he kept going. So I want to encourage you today to keep moving, keep pressing, keep pushing through, even when it's hard to believe, when you've been burned, when something significant is really hard to do. Faith needs to be content without resolutions. Otherwise, it's not faith. If you have answers, it's not faith, right? Faith is jumping over that cavernous opening and knowing God's hands there, and you're jumping in the dark, right? So I just want to encourage you in that. Uh, these are the altars we build. This is the altar we build, faith. What, uh, we are the children of God, created by God, called by God. Allow God to stretch you. The further back the arrow is pulled, the farther it's going to fly. Trajectory. Another just interesting side note before I close. When all this transpired, Abraham, or Abram, was 75 years old. And if you look up that number, what that number symbolizes in the Bible, 75 is the number of the missionary. Uh, one man said, God chose Abram, singled him out from his fellow idolaters, that he might reserve a people for himself among whom his true worship might be maintained. If that doesn't speak to us, I don't, I don't know what does. God is pulling us. He's singling us out from fellow idolaters so that his true worship can be maintained. The life you live is not solely for your benefit. We need to walk out the footsteps of Jesus and his gospel, and while being transformed, leaving imprints for future generations to follow. We are on a missionary journey. Make it count every step of the way. So build your altars, your places of sacrifice, and remember what God has promised, and obey through the chaos and the calm. Hebrews 11, 8 through 10 says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. If for nothing else, build your altars because Jesus, who is the true and better Abram, built his altar outside of Jerusalem and was stretched on a cross and proclaimed, into your hands I commit my spirit.